So you have a choice. You can either give them a lot about a little or a little about a lot. And I chose a lot about a little. So we just isolated the straight run. You know, like straight run, left-handed, go. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Here we go. Weekly Scrap, number 190. Tonight's guest is not Mike Turpak. Circumstances and life got in the way of the best laid plans. So with a very short notice, we had to say, um, do we cancel the scrap or do we have a scrap? And so instead, you get the man, the myth, the legend, currently the training chief at East Montgomery County Fire Department. He is Smoothbore Cartel. He is Engine Company Resurrection. He is also... We believe the newest member of the Brothers in Battle, well-deserved, absolutely, uh, Brothers in Battle cadre. He honestly needs no introduction. My brother, my friend, Kyle Romagus, get your questions ready for 190. It's going to be awesome. My pleasure to have you back once more on Weekly Scrap number 190. Man, thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to be back. Um, and it was good what, to see you last week. <laughs> I was going to say, what were you doing an hour ago? I was eating cheesecake with my wife. When my phone rang and my life changed forever. Uh, 100% because of uh, circumstances, there's, there's no control. And sometimes life is life. Uh, but Kyle gladly stepped up. So instead of fielding your questions, he is going to be fielding your questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, please get their audience, get them ready. It's going to be a good time. I know. And and bottom line is uh, Turpak is going to reschedule. He is coming back. There's no doubt about it. So don't worry about that. He will be back uh, when it's allowed. Uh, Anthony Gianfrido said, the man, the myth, the mustache. I like it. Copyright it. <laughs> oh, man. John McCoy said, coming in at 6'9", 220 pounds, the Superman at fighting, firefighting Kyle. I, I can't even get it right. But yeah, well, I guess. Uh, he's being pretty generous with those numbers. I dig no it. doubt. I like I, I will take it. Uh, no, thanks, John. Appreciate it. Nick Edinger said, is the bro file still a thing? We will talk about the bro file. Please, yeah, everybody, yeah. get your questions right. We'll try to grab them all. You may have to post them more than once because Kyle is no longer grabbing them. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good times. All right, get there. Let's get the let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, first things first, Vigilantes. Hey, Unbelievable good time with the Vigilantes. The Vigilantes is an amazing group. I cannot believe how much fun I'm having with the Vigilantes. Uh, if you want to be a part, go to firehousevigilance.com. It's five bucks a month, and you're a part of the exclusive club, the Cool Kids Club. And then we, we're doing these things where we're meeting up now in person at these different conferences. And it was amazing. FDIC had an official meetup, and it was awesome. So if you want to be a part of that, go to firehousevigilance.com. Sign up, five bucks a month. Uh, now to the sponsors. Key, Hose, ex- uh, check them out on Facebook. They are the Hose experts, Key Hose. Check them out. Uh, the original, the OG sponsors of the scrap. Next up, Turtle Fire Systems. They are out of Jersey City, and they they specifically wanted this scrap to sponsor because of Mike Turpak out of Jersey City. So I told them, I called them and told them, hey, listen, he canceled. They said, no, Kyle, awesome, let's do it. We'll pick up Turpak (laughs) when he comes back. So uh, they are fresh back from FDIC, where they created quite the buzz throughout the show. It's It's a nozzle designed by firefighters for firefighters, the Turtle Fire System, is an unmanned master stream nozzle that throws out 500 plus gallons per minute, 35 feet in the air, covers 30 feet in each direction. It was actually created to fight electric vehicle fires at the source, but has now become a multi-purpose tool for the fire service. Visit their website, check them out, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, get in touch, info at turtlefiresystems.com. 
And of course, the affordable drill tower, firefighter owned and operated. The only thing you can't do on an affordable drill tower is live fire. Affordable drill tower. You can repel, stretch hose lines, go through the stairs, go through the floor, do window bailouts, cut holes in the roof props, use the apartment balconies, pump into the FTC or flow water from the sprinkler system. Man, call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. And then the last one, the final one, looking to streamline your fire and EMS training programs. Introducing the Fire Academy Schedule, deliver, and track everything in your organization. Get the highest rated online training from industry leaders backed by Fire Engineering, FDIC International, and GEMS. Sign up for your free trial at thefireacademy.com. One thing I'm doing uh, outside of the sponsors is I want to mention writing the Front Seat Conference, May 21st to the 24th. I try not to mention a ton of conferences because I could literally spend 30 minutes talking about all of them. But man, uh, they're putting on an amazing thing up there. Dina Ali is speaking. Scott Thompson is speaking. Author Ashley, Mo Davis. This guy down here, or this guy right here, whichever way I need to point. Yes, that guy. He's going to be speaking on maybe some engine company stuff. I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe. Uh, it's going to be a good time. So there we go. Everything out of the way. I've been responsible. I've been a good boy. Now we can discuss firefighting stuff <laughs> with the audience. Here we go. Um, let me check the audience. Oh, yeah. Rob Fisher is here. He said, I got some Quint questions for this guy. Bring him on. Bring him on, Rob. <laughs> Dream I team. I right want every day going to my office. Douglas Ott said, love Turpac, but I'll take another dose of Romagus. Hell yeah. Get after it from Justin Phrase. Justin with a Y. One of my favorite people on the planet. Let's go from Charlie Ramish. And I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering everybody. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, Anthony Gianfrido has already trying to derail us with the question from the audience. Are you ready? Bring it on. What do you feel is the biggest hurdle to overcome when trying to incorporate more realistic training scenarios into your normal day-to-day trainings? More realistic training scenarios. Uh, Maybe the, I've never done that before, so we don't need to do that mentality. Um, That's a big one for a lot of people because, they're not well-traveled or they don't have uh, mentors in other states and other bigger jobs. Um, a lot of people uh, are more reactive versus proactive, unfortunately. And it's usually the uh, older cats that I've found, um, like proponents of hit and move only and uh, don't open the nozzle till you get to see the fire kind of guys um, because they've never physically had to do that on the fire ground. So I'd say that's probably the biggest hurdle. Um, from the administration, uh, perspective now role, uh, I see some hurdles with acquiring structures. Um, that was a big hurdle that I had to overcome, uh, with the waivers and the legal legalities of it, stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, a lot of chiefs may just be saying no versus putting in the work, you know, to be able to, to achieve something like that. So really, it really comes down to mindset. Yeah, yeah, that's overcoming. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm I'm doing the thing you usually do where I grab the questions. So so just so you know, that's what I'm doing right now. Douglas Ott says, uh, What tip sizes is East County running on the ladder waterway? Is there a stream shaper other than the Elkhart 283A on there? We're trying to get away from the Saber Master. So I don't know. That probably means a lot more to you than it does to me, but go for it. Yeah, yeah. Inch and three quarters is what we top it off with. And I don't think that we would ever take that off 
due to the fact that we're we designed our platform platform <laughs> we designed our uh, attack method with it to over pump it so we're looking for over 100 psi tip pressure um that's what we're looking for on the use of it so inch and three quarter tip is what we use solid don't catch it up. used to be like uh i would say 36 inches long and i used to hit my head on it every time i passed by it and then uh, my brother chris gilpin helped us restructure the ladder pipe to where we wanted it to be I like this comment from CFT Fire Operations, Ooh. and he says Kyle has amazing handwriting. Which, oh, thank you, and one hundred percent, he might have the best handwriting in the fire service. I appreciate that, Chief. And I got a compliment from Anthony Gianfrido, who said you pronounced my last name correct. So Ooh. there we go. Um, Max points, Corley. Max points. There we, there we are. Believe me, because <laughs> I won't do it that often. Joshua Everett wants to know. We haven't even got. We haven't even started our topics yet. Keep the questions coming, everybody. I will. I will cycle through them, and we will throw them at Kyle. Uh, Joshua Everett says, I need to email O'Romagus. Need his blessing on incorporating smooth bore or SBN. I don't know, SBN, sorry, into our new smooth engine. Nozzles. Okay, okay. Need his blessing on it. So I wanted to, I wanted to just throw that. Does anybody need your blessing to incorporate that? No, no. I give him some advice, uh, but blessing, no. I would say the only person that would, you would need blessing for would be Freeman, and you would have to be a time traveler for that right to happen. On. Right on. So, and Rob if you Fisher. go, I want to go as well. Go. SB. Okay. He 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 cleaned up. Said SBC Smoothbore Cartel. He was referencing, not just. Oh, muscles. you want to incorporate it? Like, make it a company? That'd be cool. I don't know. He'll have to clarify because all right now he said I want to incorporate SBC. I don't know what that means. Clarify it for us, Joshua, and we will address it. Um. Maybe he wants to put it on the side of the rig. There's a oh. bunch of guys that got it on the side of the rig. He said, need blessing for artistic design. Yeah. yeah. So that, that may be something he can email you about and get exactly, you know, into the, yeah. into, into the weeds on. Rob Fisher, speaking of Ooh. Quints, the Quint master. Oh. Staying on the training subject, how do you split the training when assigned to a Quint? You cannot spend your entire time on any one side. Yes, no, maybe so. Yeah, that's a new subject for us, Rob. Uh they have uh, totally immersed themselves in the truck side of things. And I would say that the guys that are riding the Quint uh, in our department are the most qualified engine captains that we had. Uh, so, I mean, not saying that you should stop engine work training, and they don't. But they were pretty selective on who they put on the Quint, and they had a really good idea and success rate on the engine side. Um so they're gearing to a lot of their stuff towards the rescue systems uh, uh, that we have on the ladder truck, truck work in general, um, right? Spotting, you know. Uh, but we're real young in the in the truck culture. Uh, I wouldn't even say culture yet. It's just a piece of apparatus that we're learning to incorporate. Real um, young in the truck infancy culture. Yeah. Right on. No. Um, no. Question, I love Rob. It. I'm going to get this one. Small Town Chief has one coming. I don't even know Small Town Chief. I don't know who that is, but I like the name. Um, That's the actual Facebook name, Small Town Chief. You'll have to clarify. Uh, What has been the biggest challenge you have faced since promotion? And how have you overcome it? uh, Biggest challenge for me, and I think we talked about before, was coming off shift work. Uh, Coming off shift work, did uh, 18 years on shift, and that was a tough one for me. Um, not being with the guys, I missed the ride home 
from the calls more than anything, you know, uh, smoking and joking with the guys. But uh, the camaraderie just is not the same in the office. Now, granted, I have an open door policy and they can come in anytime they want, but um, I uh, I miss riding the rig. Right. That was the hardest part. The camaraderie, the family atmosphere um, is not really there uh, once you move into the office, in my experience. No, you know, I think I think that's one of the biggest things they don't prepare you for when you step off the rig. And, and, and it's like you kind of have this mind screw of I'm not a firefighter anymore. Yeah. You know, I'm a desk writer. You know, yeah. it. It's something that, that I definitely don't think I was prepared for. Yeah. I'm mean, still go to fires. I ran command on a fire two nights ago. Right on. But uh, I can still go to fires. And if I drive real fast, I can run it. But if I drive slow, I can be a division chief or get put to work. So it's a catch-22, you know. No, without a doubt. It's great. Great answer. Great question. John, uh, John Haywick had a question. Uh, what What – Clarify the question for me, John, and I'll throw it at Kyle. Clarify it up. Uh, I need a little more um, detail on that question. Uh, ben Jones wants to know, what's your thoughts about hen's blade nozzles? Any experience with it on a real fire? Uh, no. No experience in, in a uh, building with combustible walls and ceilings. I got one from my brother Dennis Legear to try out and to uh, – give him some feedback on. I had it for about a week and a half and uh, I did some testing with it and um, without being too descriptive, cause I don't know where they're at in the development phase of that. Um, I think in local compartments, well, I can just tell you from my experience with it is that the guys uh, we burned with it about three times and it crushed local compartments. Like we only use it in blade mode. Um, we didn't use straight stream because we know what a straight stream can do. You right. know, so we, we used it in blade mode and granted, checking out the other option. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. used blade mode, but um uh I liked it for what it is, you know. Uh I'm not used to uh adjusting anything uh when I'm using a nozzle. So um and I'm pretty habitual on where I position the line and it was just different, you know. Um, uh, but I think in local compartments that blade has a use. Nice, nice. But uh, I have no, I have not used it on a a fire in a building with combustible walls and ceilings. All right, John has my my clarified question coming at you. Kyle, do you see that most guys covering the Quint were slash are talented and knowledgeable former engine guys? Covering it like teaching Quint? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. But, or like covering uh, like riding it? Riding it. I think he means riding it. Uh, knowledgeable engine guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, uh, on the, on the Quint side and we, it, it was a ladder for us and we're still trying to, uh, incorporate the Quint mentality, you know, because nobody, just like everything in the fires, nobody prepared us for anything. It just showed up and we're like, Hey, you guys are on a ladder truck, you know, but, um, then there was more thought process in it than that. I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, we have, uh, it's been a hybrid mentality um, for that. And we haven't really found our footing. I don't think. And uh, we always want to, we strive to put them to work as the truck. That's the goal is to put them to work as a truck company. Uh, and if they show up first, it, it just is, <laughs> you know? So, uh, but you know, we've had all engines for so long that 
everybody is proficient in truck work, but there are some shining stars. You know what I mean? Like everybody can't be good at everything, but I think that they were pretty selective and um, I'm happy who they put on the Quint. Um, they did uh, because those were our, um, our guys, like we talked about in your nine L's, the guys with the butt plates that you want to count on. Right. Those are the guys that they put on the Quint. Right. You know, the guys that you see across the fire field and be like, yep, that's the one. That's the one I'm giving this job to. So right on. I would right on. I would say that we're still trying to get our feet wet in the Quint company culture. But we need to bring Rob in. We need to bring Rob in to bring the Quint class down on us. Right on. Drop the knowledge. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and he even says in his class, it's a mindset. You know, just because you're riding a truck with hose and a pump, if your mindset is truck work, you know, that's where your mind's at, you know. But – it's like it's a multi-tool you know and it's funny dennis told me one day that when i when i was talking to him about the quint he was like do you know kyle you know how he is do you know kyle that you could have bought a true truck without a pump and without hose on it and bought an engine to chase it for the same price that you paid for that quint <laughs> i was like yeah like yeah probably dennis but uh which would be the best bet you know if we could do a dual house and have a yeah. true truck that, that oh, would yeah. be awesome um, that squad concept or the task force or strike team is what I'm looking for. The strike team concept in California. Uh, I think LA County uh, has an engine truck combo like that. But Picking it out, picking it out. Uh, John McCoy wants to know what hose loads are you running on the Quint? Same ones on everything else. So we've got two. These The Quint has cross lays. Um, it has two flat load, 200 foot, inch three quarter. Seven eighths on cross lane number one, 15 sixteenths on cross lane number two. And it has a 200 foot, uh, two and a half inch pre connect. It may be 150. I think it's 150. No, I don't know. I don't write it, but it's it over, it's 150 or 200, uh, two and a half cross lay with an inch and three sixteenths. And then we keep, uh, I believe there's 300 foot of five inch on the back. We got high pressure five inch on the officer side is green. And then the low pressure five inch on the driver's side. Nice. So we pump into it with uh keys, um, high flow, high pressure five inch. Cause we want that higher tip pressure and we couldn't get it with the uh, low pressure five inch. So we had to use a tack rated. All right. They're still coming. It's only as strong as the couplings. Uh, Cody Hahn wants to know a question. Tried to find the whiteboard notes from many scraps ago. Is that still available somewhere? I have yeah. I, I have pictures of them. I know Kyle does. And so I think if you reach for the bro drive, you should be able to get it. Yes, no, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. And I could send them to you. Uh, ECR has a post. That's where they originated from was the ECR post. That, yeah, that's actually the ECR post was the reason I asked you to come in and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you're not a member of Engine Company Resurrection, first of all, go join Engine Company Resurrection. And then do a search there. Always do a search there before you post, but do a search for the whiteboards. Uh, I believe you could say decision. It's decision making. Oh, I don't remember what the post is. Man, yeah, I was uh, trying to think. It was something about teaching your rookie decision making at the doorway or nozzle. But I'll tell you what. When we end this call after the the next five questions, I will post those pictures on Smoothboard Cartel's uh, Facebook page. CFT so, Fire well, Operations has this coming at you because he he said he was going to oh, go cook. Oh but, man. But then he still threw this and said, I need Kyle to put on a class about managing upper lip hair, proper grooming, and care. Oh, man. I don't know if that would be a good class because I'll give you a short class on that. 
Okay. There's okay. two rules because a mustache is a lifestyle choice. So there are, well, I would say there's three rules to having a mustache. Number Rule number one is don't trim it. Rule number two is see rule number one. And rule number three is if you're eating dinner and it's something that gets in your mustache, only wipe it once at the very end of the meal. Just let the chips fall where they may. And at the very end, take it down. There you go. Right That's on. the two rules. Yeah. That would be slide number one, two, and three of that class, Chief. Uh, there you go. Use that. You asked be a short and, and he delivered. That's the reason. That's the reason when it's on short notice, I call Kyle and say, Hey, no more cheesecake. It's time to go. Yeah, yeah. And my uh, wife reluctantly ate that cheesecake. She did not want to, but I, I'm a cheesecake fan. She took it for the team. Yeah. She, I think she ate like this much of it. Beautiful. Uh, when you run dedicated engine and truck companies, it takes the dilemma out of work you are supposed to get done. It does give those assignments, generally speaking. Uh, he said last thing. Uh, CFT fire operator said last thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> catching up. I'm going to read. I'm going to, I'm going to, man, what hose loads? I got that one. Uh, thoughts on supply lines for rural fire departments, five inch, four inch, dual three inch. What's your thoughts? Uh, for rural, see, I'm torn on that one. Um, because in rural, for long lays, for the ease of friction loss, five inches is a no brainer, but it comes at a cost of losing your water supply within the hose line. So five inches a gallon a foot. So if I've got to lay, you know, 600 feet. A five inch, it takes 600 gallons to fill it, you know, so you just have to be responsible in what you're doing in order to make sure that your, you know, valuable product is not lost during the process. So incorporating hose clamps where you can is important, specifically if you've got a long lay to like a T intersection that you're stop, having tankers stop and fill that long lay, uh, definitely incorporate the hose clamp. Um you know, we were just talking about this today. We got what's called tank buddies. I don't know if you ever seen a tank buddy. You do a lot of drafting where you're at, Corley. Anything nah, like we that? do not. We do okay. not. No. So we do a lot of drafting where we're at. And we do uh, it we, on the apparatus promotional, uh, you know, driver operator yeah. promotional process. That's it. Good. Good. Uh, so we have what's called a tank buddy. Um, it's a it's, that's the product name, uh, not product placement. It just is what it is. Right. Uh, it, it's called a tank buddy, and it's meant to fill a dump tank from an extended position. So, like, we were on that fire we made two nights ago. It was a big horseshoe road, very slim road, and uh, we needed a shuttle operation. And the only way we were able to get water in the dump tank was to lay out, a, I think it was 100 foot of 5 inch, and have trucks nose in, hook up to the 5 inch, and pump through the 100 foot of 5 inch in the dump tank. We had nowhere to set it up to where they could drive and dump. We had to pump it into it. Right. So, the tank buddy, it hangs on the side of the dump tank, and it's essentially like a five inch square opening about like that that you pump into with five inch and it fills the dump tank. So we're actually uh, playing with it tomorrow. Cause I'm going to incorporate it into the phase process because it's a new piece of equipment for us. So sure. into the phase process and the company standards. So the max pressure we can put on that thing is 200 per the manufacturer's uh, instructions, which pro tip don't throw those away with a new piece of equipment. So anytime you get a new piece of equipment, make sure that some adult in the room reads the instructions. There. Therefore, you don't explode your new toy. Uh, but, yeah, so 200 is the limit. Uh, my brother Roman Molina and his crew, we're going to be testing that tomorrow. And nice. basically, we want to time it because I imagine there's going to be a plateau 
between the amount of pressure we're able to put into it and the GPM that it's able to move through it. Right. So at some point we're going to find a pressure plateau, you know what I mean? So, uh, and I don't know where that is like 50, 75, 100, you know, I don't want to push it past 150 sure. uh, PSI on the back end because 200 is the limit. And, you know, but anyway, long story short, uh, five inch has its downfalls and has its, um, positives as well, you know, but you got to know what you're doing with it specifically in rural water supply. Sure. If I'm laying, you know, a thousand feet of five inch, you know, it takes a thousand gallons to fill it, you know, so it just depends on what your setup is. But, um, I can say that I've never messed with four inch. Um, we've only ever had five inch and three inch. Okay. I wanted to incorporate three and a half on the new pumpers, but I got shut down for that one. Uh, the couplings were too expensive and ISO was giving us some crap. What, what was it? Two and a half couplings on it? Was it three inch couplings? No, it's three inch couplings, I believe. Okay. I think it's okay. three inch couplings. So uh, FDNY uses three and a half. Uh, I think DC uses three and a half. So like okay. it's in production right now. The couplings were the issue with it because right. really we don't want to use two and a half couplings because you're you're hydraulically you know shooting yourself. In sure. The foot. Yeah. Yeah. You're chomping it down every every yeah. hundred feet or yeah. No, I'm with you. But long story short, that was a long circle to get back to five inch. So, <laughs> right on. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Justin Frey says, what response parameters or conditions dictate? You're getting a lot of Quint questions coming at you for some reason. That's but good. It's Rob's whether, fault. You started it all, Rob. Rob started this off. Whether <laughs> your Quint will operate as a truck versus operating as an engine. Like, what? what's the parameters? Arrival. If it arrives second due or after, it's a truck. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's as easy as it is. You know, as long as they're not first due, they're not an engine. Now, granted, there's some, uh, I mean, I could think of, you know, some situations where we would have to utilize them as the engine. You know, if we have to, you know, throw an exposure line on the ground or, you know, a second attack line or a blitz line or something like that. They're a member of the fire department. You know what I mean? That they have the ability to do anything they, they need to, but search is prioritized very quickly in my organization. And it's usually prioritized immediately after attack and i say usually because there's always those little gray areas sure so like um known victim location presenting victims stuff like that that would that would warrant you know attack maybe interior attack being pushed until the rescues made or the grabs made in that particular instance you know but uh, the majority of the time we're we're an attack based culture which so, can also be based off when's your second dude getting there? How close are they yeah. on your heels, et cetera? Yeah. You know, can someone start knocking? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But yeah, just an arrival arrival position would dictate that. So as long as they're not first, they're a truck. If you're not first, with a, is that a Ricky Bobby quote close? Yeah, that's a new one. If you're not first, you're a truck. <laughs> and then have two down thumbs. <laughs> so drive fast. <laughs> No, Rob Fisher said, I love these Quint questions. Go figure. Yeah. Great answer on a Quint arriving other than first. I would resist anything that puts the truck away from the building, i.e. reverse lay, which makes sense. That's why we only put 300 foot of five inch on it. So guys could make dumb decisions like that. Uh, Fast Ranch wants to know. Dave coming at you. Dave Prescott? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm assuming. It says Fast Ranch, so I'm assuming it's Prescott. Could be an imposter. Right. One of the best. One of the best mustaches in Florida. He's fantastic mustache. Uh, Chief, your thoughts on the inch and three sixteenths on a blitz line versus a breakaway tip? 
versus a breakaway two. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't sure if I needed clarification, so I was throwing it at you. I don't know what he means by breakaway. Oh, okay. I think maybe he's talking about like a stack tip, like just a straight tip versus a stack tip. Maybe. Oh, I can I can wait for 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 Dave to to uh to clarify. Okay, I'll answer that as if he asked it anyway. Okay. Uh, I like the threaded tips, uh, one eighty five XD, uh, by Elkhart. He did say stack tips. So go ahead. Yeah, I like the the threaded tip, the one eighty five, because I don't have to remove it to extend off of it. So we do a lot of blitz and bundle operations, and if I have a threaded tip, the one eighty five, I don't have to pull the tip off to extend off of it. Half coupling. So I personally prefer the um, the threaded tip. A lot of guys don't because the threads are exposed. Um, they could be damaged, you know, but take care of your equipment. It's fine, but it's one less step for me to get the small line in, in, uh, in motion, you know, nice. And if I have to revert back to it, I got to find the guy who put the tip in his pocket or, you know, find it in the yard at three o'clock in the morning. If I pull it off, you know, but, uh, I prefer, and also another good thing about it is it gets me away from the bail. So like one of the biggest problems with, hooking bundles to nozzles, two and a half nozzles, and depending on what manufacturer you have, have more trouble than others, is that you have to have the bail closed, obviously, when you're uh, extended off of it. And a lot of times it's hard to get your space gloves around that bail when it's closed when you're screwing that coupling on there. So the other added advantage of that threaded tip is it moves it out and you get it away from that. Um, so that works out pretty well for us as well. You got good stuff coming at you. How 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 much in the weeds do you want to get? Oh, I don't care. Bring it on. Uh, I'm trying to see. Kurt Kurt had one before he drove off, but I'll get to that one later. Uh, Travis, I'm going to come back to your question. James, uh, yeah, uh, I'll start with an E. Oh, kind of, yeah, I like this. Light, Leighton Hoxang. Man, e? tell me. Hoxang. Uh, Chief, looking at the new trend of two-inch hose, but several departments are using inch and one, inch and, I'm, I'm guessing means inch and one-sixteenth tips which goes against the Freeman ratio. What's your thoughts? Well, the two inch hose is not two inch. So, I mean, the majority of them are over two inch. So, I mean, the question is, is it, you know, um, two, what would that be? Two and what's a uh, double two. of a 16th? Yeah. It's a quarter, two and, and a quarter, two and an eighth. Yeah. Eighth. Yeah. So two and an eighth. Um, yeah. So like combat ready, two inches, two point two point one four inside diameter. You know, so got to be careful. Um, I mean, obviously, hopefully in this this era of the fire service, most people know that hose isn't what it is. You know what I mean? Like there was a time in the fire service where we were they I say they because it was before my time that everything was um, made true diameter. You know, and Dennis is bringing us back to that, you know, or has a big part in it. But uh, I couldn't tell you whether or not your two inch uh, so-called violates the Freeman ratio. I personally like the inch and 16th tip on two inch. Uh, we had two inch with inch and a half couplings for a long time uh, before we moved to true ID two and a half or true ID inch three quarters, excuse me. And uh, I personally didn't like um, the stack that we had on it because we had a, a one inch, inch and an eight stack on the two inch, um, which was <laughs> crazy, number one on the first in line. Uh, but number two, every half, every Coupling being an inch and a half coupling, it caused a lot of turbulence in the line. So I actually re- one, I, I reduced the flow, and I had my brother Andy Plofkin from Elkhart build me a stack, um, which was an inch and sixteenth one eighty five tip with a 
uh, ram monitor one inch tip screwed on top of it. So it was a one inch with an inch and sixteenth bottom instead of the inch and an eighth. Two sixty five was just unruly on our particular two inch. I think it was national. It was all crap, right on, but, right on, right on. Um, I like the inch and sixteenth tip. Uh, I can get two hundred ten gallons a minute with less nozzle reaction than the one inch tip, and I can over pump it uh, if I need to. Uh, two forty, but I can get two twelve with less nozzle reaction than I can get 210 out of a one inch. Right. So if your hose will handle it, you know, pumping the inch and 16th at 40 is a good call. I think, I think it's 15, 16 nozzle reaction. Yeah. So I can get one inch water with 15, 16 nozzle reaction. Trying to so. catch up with everything here. Uh, hey, you froze the Zuck gotcha. Your sound well, came through, but you were frozen in a beautiful, like Kyle-esque pose. So that's all good. Um, like as the far as I, yeah, as far as I know, your sound got through, so everybody could hear hear your beautiful diatribe on the on the two inch. Um, I'm trying to catch all the questions here, so I don't miss any. No, doing good, doing good. Eric Teal said, "Oh shit, it's Kyle." <laughs> uh, yeah, let me know if you can't hear Kyle at all. Oh man, uh, just checking, just checking, because right now it just it was just a freeze. Typing in, typing in. I'm pasting the questions in. Well, Joey Hayes, I think, corrected me. Uh-oh. Uh, Hayes just sent me a text message that said 2.04. So maybe there they changed go. the two-inch uh, combat ready. I thought it was 2.14, Joey. Sorry, dude. Not bad for memory. And Joey yep. would know. There was a four and there was a two. I was just uh, a tenth of an inch off, man. Jody Keeler, this is a soft toss. This is kind of a soft toss towards you. I know, I know you'll crush it. Jody Keeler wants to know 15 sixteenths versus seven eighths. Why oh, would you choose uh seven eighths over the more GPM of the 15 sixteenths? So go ahead. Uh depending on your crew members, I can push the 15 sixteenths, no problem. I can. Um you you put yourself in a position to where if the majority of your department can push the 15 sixteenths while it's open, um while flowing and moving, which is the worst case scenario, you know, you should base your decision on that, you know, put your, put it in your hand, people, people's hands and have them push it and see if the majority of them can keep it open for a 20, you know, 30 foot push with two turns. Um, I prefer the seven eights uh, due to the fact that the nozzle reaction puts me in a position to where I can put it in anybody's hand across the department and not have to worry about who's got it. You know, um, I think the high pressure uh, nozzle has caused people to either remove or not even have flow and move in their arsenal. Uh, not considering the 1560, I just mean like the high pressure fog nozzle. You right. know, that's going back to what we were talking about. Those guys are saying they've never had to do it. And it's like, well, I'm sure you've made some fires in your career. Maybe. I mean, I don't know where they work. Those guys that say shit like that, um, that it would have benefited, you know. But um, more of the story is the action, uh, the greater nozzle reaction is what pushes me back from having it in my first do, uh, first line. You know, Dennis had a uh, a portion in his hydrous nozzles class where he talked about the FBI. The FBI moved from the nine millimeter into the forty, right, and then eventually moved back to the nine millimeter. They wrote a fantastic paper on it. Uh, I got a copy of it in the Bro Drive. Uh, um, but Dennis talks about it and the transition back to nine millimeter. And it's the same argument. You know what I mean? Like it would be like 
the nine mil, the reason they moved back to the nine millimeter is they were able to get accurate follow-up shots. They had the stopping power of the 40, but you had to put it in the right spot, you know, and the follow-up shot was always a little bit more difficult, um, which is why they reverted back to the nine millimeter. So it's a fantastic study. If you haven't read it, um, it puts it all in perspective, you know, and I love the 40 cal. The 40 cal is one of my favorite yeah. rounds and I switched everything to nine millimeter for shooting competition. And, yeah. uh, and, and so, why'd you do that, Corley? Mainly because the reload stations, the the actual the the two extra rounds usually on the on the the reload was was very yeah. nice. Yeah. For my personal scores. Yeah. Um, and it did. No, you were mind. a competition yeah. shooter. Man, I, that's a that's a very loose use of the word. I have shot in competitions. Yeah. So let me let me put it that way. But oh, I did love the forty, and I switched back to the nine. Yeah. Yes, Steve Bosch said it best. It's Brian Crush. That's the only way we'll refer to him here. Yeah. Brian Crush. Yeah. Uh, how do we get access to the Bro Drive? If you want access to the Bro Drive, you send an email to kyromagus at gmail.com. Kyromagus at gmail.com. Until he tells me I can't say that anymore. That's what I keep passing out every time I teach and every time there's a scrap. I uh, keep waiting for Google to send me an email that say my uh, Bro Drive is full. Right. <laughs> like no more people. You can't you can share, share it with me. anyone else. Yeah. You've broken the internet. And it's shared with so many people. Like, I feel bad because I can't do it on my phone. So, like, if I pull the bro drive up on my phone and hit the share button, it takes, like, 25 minutes because it loads everybody who has shared with before to let me, let me share someone else. So, I always feel bad because I have to be at a desktop in order to put somebody on the bro drive. So, I do it, like, once a week. I'll scroll through my emails and see who wants it. And then, like, once a week, I'll go in there. So, Every now and then, people will send me their email address and be like, "Oh my God, did you get my email?" I'm like, "Yeah, dude, I got it. You know, I'll get, I'll get it." All right, coming at you, James Mitchellisco said, "Chief, what? I like this question, and you, you can go story time or you can go wherever you want with it. But what is the attack package that East Montgomery is running, and what did you run before? How did you overcome the naysayers when switching, if there were naysayers?" Well, that's a softball right there. Uh, so we had. Um, I think we had national on everything beforehand. Uh, we had national inch and three quarter. We had national two inch with an inch and a half couplings. Uh, and then we moved to true ID inch and three quarter. And we still have a mixture of two and a half right now. Uh, and to finish out the attack package, um, we ran high pressure fog nozzles automatics. When we had national, we had two inch with inch and a half couplings with the inch and an eighth, one inch stack. After that, um, that moved to the bundle line um, when we got True ID inch and three quarter. So funny story about that. So we ordered True ID inch and three quarter, and we ordered East County on scribed on the coupling. It's, and they sent us to us, and it didn't have East County scribed on the coupling. So we scribed it ourselves. And then uh, Key called and said, hey, we just sent you all the East County coupling hose was you can send that other stuff back. And I was like, well, you know, we did just uh, engrave our name on all of it. Right. <laughs> so they sold it to us at a, uh, uh, they gave us a deal on it. Let's just say that they gave us a deal. The hose experts, I would say. Right on. Uh, gave us a deal. Joey's uh, in here. He's, he's smiling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe. yeah. We still have a lot of mixture of two and a half. Um, and we run inch and three sixteenths on the two and a half. There was a time where we ran some inch and an eight, some inch and inch and a quarter, you know, some stacks, but we really tried to bring it all together and bring all the variables out of it the last like seven years or so. Um, 
we've started to incorporate the majority of our engines have the same same nozzle all in the same spots so like we may have a because we still have some rescue engines in re- reserve and we've got tankers but um the engine 316th is taken over the two and a half uh, so that's everywhere and then it's always number one seven eights number two 15 sixteenths and then we've getting to the point to where all of our fogs on the bumper are standardized at 5150s as well nice nice but there you go beautiful answer and like you said soft offs but i love throwing it at you and I yeah, know but we're incorporating true ID two and a half right now as well. So when we put the new pumpers in service, they have true ID two and a half. Love it. Uh, Ryan Selleck wants to know, Kyle, when are the white on black snapbacks coming back in stock? Oh man. Uh, yeah, hats, uh, hats are the hardest thing. Cause I'm, I'm anal about hats. I don't want to sacrifice quality. So, um, I'm really, I'm having trouble getting hats right now. Um, and I don't want to sacrifice the quality because I get them straight from the Richardson factory. So I don't put the patches on myself. Richardson puts that pat, that hat you're wearing right now, Corley Richardson makes that hat at the Richardson factory and they put that patch on before they sew the bill on. So essentially when I first came out with that hat, when I took over the company, I tried to heat press those patches on there right and you're putting a flat patch on a round surface so every time i would have a crease somewhere or it wouldn't go on straight or anything like that and i was just unhappy with the quality of it right uh, and i have a strict policy with smoothbore cartel merch and it's if i wouldn't wear it i don't sell it so if i don't want to wear it like colors any type of colors that's why there's only limited colors of the hats you know, so I've getting people requested all sorts of different crazy ideas and stuff. I'm like, bro, if I'm not going to wear it, I'm not selling it. It's not Sorry. going on the shop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, hats are coming, man. Uh, I'm just, I'm waiting on Richardson. But yeah, it's pretty cool the process they do. Before they put the netting on the back, before they put the bill on, they sew that patch on there. So like, it's just these two panels when they sew that patch on there and then they build the rest of the hat around it. Nice. So. That's why it won't come off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I love it because literally, I was gonna wear a hat that matched the green OD green here, and it was uh, it, the patch was actually flopping off right there because it had been pressed on. Yeah. And I was speaking like, of hats, funny. you want to tell the tale of your smooth AF from FDIC? Yeah, I took it. It's one of my favorite hats. First of all, you can't get that hat. It's a one of a kind. One. I got the, I got the patch from Smoothboard Cartel himself. He sent me the patch. I ironed it on the hat myself because I ordered blanks. And I had a blank, black, black Richardson 112, greatest hat ever made. And uh, and I and I and I pressed it on there, and then I wore it to FDIC. Well, of course, I wore it to the opening ceremony like a dumbass. And then the pipe started <laughs> up, and the the flags coming down. So I took off the hat instantly, and and put it under the chair right in front of me or at my feet. And then, I don't know. At the end of the thing, I looked around, going. Oops, I don't have a hat no more. I just lost my one of a kind smooth AF, which is it's this hat, but it just says smooth AF under it. I love that hat. It's my favorite because no one else has one. So it was it was lost at FDIC. When yeah. I told Kyle the story and we were on the lookout to see who was going to be yeah. wearing that hat. I was on the hunt. We were Ready looking. Some dude. So, but I don't know. It's it's actually I, I can actually pull it up. Hold up one second. Oh, yep. I don't script. Uh oh. Only a small mess. 
Boom, yep. right there. Yep. And where'd you find it? It was actually they actually turned it in at the uh, the the Lost and Found. So it wasn't like yep. that dramatic of an end- ending. But if it, that dude it, is a scrapper, max points to the guy who turned that in. No doubt about it. Yeah. We were on the lookout for a couple days, though. There is no doubt about it. <laughs> With all that being it was said, like we're the Where's Waldo of the the smoothbore hat. <laughs> Forty four minutes in, yeah. and um, we have yet to get to anything we planned. To, like me and Kyle did a real quick, like ten minute. What do you want to talk about tonight? Let's yeah. talk about this, 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 this. That you're killing it, audience. Absolutely killing it with the questions that are coming. Yeah, all good, dude. Here we go, um, Kyle. This comes from Travis Harin Heron. Hey, Kyle, I've recently promoted to apparatus operator. What advice do you have for a fireman moving into that position, mainly regarding firehouse life? So all sorts of directions you could go, but throwing it at you. So when I was on shift as a captain, my whatever the position's called in your district, whether it's the apparatus operator, the chauffeur, or the engineer, he ran the fire station. So I ran the calls, the democracy stopped when the air brake hit, but he ran the fire station. So like, Anything that had to be done around the station, he organized uh, our duties around the station. I worked for him around the station. You know what I mean? Like the the station life was his, and then the calls were mine. You know, essentially is how I ran it. So like anything around the station, uh, patients, um, anything like that around the firehouse, it was his responsibility. And I was just a part of the the crew, a worker bee for him. And I always tried to do that to build in some responsibility at that position. Cause like nobody's ever prepared to move up to captain. I wasn't nobody at my organization was, you know, so I tried to instill some responsibility in them without really telling them that that's what I was doing. But essentially the, the EO or the engineer or the chauffeur or the apparatus operator, whatever you want to call it. Um, he ran the station on my shift. Um, but moving in from a fireman, uh, aspect, uh, I wish we could have a conversation and he could answer, but, um, one of the biggest issues that I see with departments moving people up too fast is that you haven't had enough backseat time to know what they need before they need it. Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, first due, especially on a short staff crew, the engine operator has to be Johnny on the spot, you know, and you have to have that Rolodex of situational awareness of what we need inside before we need it. And if you don't, you need a pretty good seat assignment plan or, or protocols of what comes to the door. You know, like I've never made a fire that didn't go up, you know, so if we get a hold of it pretty quick, I need a hook. If I don't have a truck company there, you know, we may need a scuttle, um, you know, like being Johnny, being able to read the building and find out what we're doing and what we're accomplishing and what's happening next. Right. You know on. what I mean? Right. on. So if you don't have that experience, uh, Travis, I would recommend that you start looking into that. Start looking into how much hoses in the structure. You know, like if you're the only one there, you're, you are the eyes outside. So if the fire's in the front room on the Alpha Bravo corner, you know, 10 feet in and you see a coupling past the uh, front door threshold, you know, we made a wrong turn. You know, we missed it. You know what I mean? So like having, being able to be Johnny on the spot with stuff like that, um, have some communicate and keep it simple, man. You know, like Dennis says, you're cooking steaks, not baking cakes, man. You know, so like keep it simple <laughs> on the pump panel. Love you know, it. we're looking for ish. You know, give me ish. Yeah. Uh, knowing what they need before they need it is such awesome insight that you only get with Kyle Romagus. Love it. That comes from Dave, uh, Fast Ranch. Um, Prescott. Uh, 
Steve Robertson said, take away from your first FDIC as an instructor. Oh, man. Uh, the time crunch was crazy, crazy on the hot side. Let me let me uh, let me interrupt. I want to interrupt and just say yeah. how how kick ass are the questions coming at you from Rob Fisher, Steve Roberts, and Kurt Isaacson? I mean, <laughs> dude, you're killing it. Uh, yeah. Absolutely crushing it. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, it's cool, man. Uh, the hot class time frame for our uh, hot was crazy, man. Um, I enjoyed every minute of it. I was pushing stairs for uh, Uncle Ray. Um, so I had 18 minutes with six students. And so essentially I push stairs 18 times a day at the bare minimum. So like 18 flights for a demo for every crew. And if I had some of them, I had to demo three or four. So I'd say I probably pushed 50 flights of stairs in two days. Um, so my knees were (laughs) by the second day, my knees were a little raw, but, uh, I liked it, man. I like being able to see people from all around the world. That was the cool part. You know, we had guys from Germany. We had guys from Canada. We had guys from all over the the United States. And you don't get that in most conferences, you know. So that was pretty cool to see Canadians and Germans and, you know, guys coming through the station. Um, I wish I had more time with them, you know. And that was one thing that Todd told me because uh, I'm notorious for asking for more time. Like every hot class I ever teach with anybody. Because, I mean, if you don't ask – and there was some time, you're the asshole that you didn't ask. You know what I mean? Like, sure. But there is no time. And that was one thing Steve told me as well. He was like, don't ask for more time, bro. It doesn't exist. Like, there, there is no time, you know. But um, the buses throw a big wrench into it as well. You know, not being able to go over at all was a limiting factor, you know, for sure. Because they got to be on the bus. You know, so like the four-hour class that we had, you know, immediately turns to three and a half because they need 15 minutes to get off the bus, 15 minutes to get on the bus, you know, but, um, but yeah, I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I got to teach with Eric Roden, never taught with Eric Roden before I was in the stairwell. He was out on the stretch bed. Uh, got to teach Daryl Liggins, the, uh, beautiful man himself. Steve Robertson was teaching vertical stretches. Um, Steve Florian from Detroit, uh, they were teaching Burke, Uncle Ray, obviously, Keith and Phil from uh, UL. Right. It was a phenomenal day, uh, two days of teaching uh, with uh, some pretty heavy hitters, man. And uh, I was happy to be on the cod. Anthony Rowett, my brother, Anthony Rowett and Todd Edwards as well. So the cadre was big. The uh, stations, uh, I wish there was more time. But like Steve said, it doesn't exist, man. You can want all you want, bro. <laughs> the, the clock ain't extending. Right on. But, uh, yeah, it throws a wrench into it, especially in the afternoon. So, like, if the afternoon bus shows up, that time doesn't just magically exist. You know what I mean? Like, so the bus shows up 30 minutes, you're 30 minutes short, man. Right. So, you got you to gotta move. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, dude, man. Uh, they, they, brought, they brought up FDIC, um, and I want to throw it at you. What did you uh, takeaways from this FDIC this year? Uh just your just your overall thoughts, honestly. Um, I liked being able to see everybody. I liked being able to see um, a vast majority of the fire service heavy hitters. I really enjoyed being, and, and even if it was just a a minute in the speaker ready room, or you know, uh, on the way to the bar, or coming back from the bar, or in the bar, you know. But there are some advantages from going early. You know, like when you're there for the hot days, it's not chaos it's like the calm before the storm right you know like so when we got there we were doing build out so 
there's a point where it's just instructors essentially, uh, which was cool. And then the hot students show up and it's not that crazy, but on Wednesday, bro, Wednesday, it's like somebody lit a fuse Tuesday night and it just exploded with people after that, Right. you know, which I like it, man. I like talking to dudes. I like meeting people from all around the, the world, you know, and that's the cool thing about it is that there's people from all around the world and it's not like your regular conference to where you got guys that are there locally. And then you see the same guys that travel all over the country, you know, but the, it was cool to be able to, and I met a lot of guys that I've only talked to, you know, like on messenger and on ECR and stuff like that, you know? Um, and it was cool to put names and faces together. You know, that was cool. No, that's amazing. I do. That's amazing. Yeah. The networking, the scope of how many people are there is just mind boggling. Got to uh, room with Todd Edwards. That was cool. He was my roommate for a week. I requested a twin bed with a heart-shaped bathtub, but we got two queens. So You had to settle for the love seat? Yeah. Right on. Hey, I don't blame you. Uh, Stephen Moran said, Chief, at my previous department, there was resistance to stinger sections of new better hose on the nozzle end of a pre-connect. It was the fastest way to get good hose in service. What say you? I mean, it's a Band-Aid, just like any other. But I could see where people would be opposed to it, specifically if the friction loss is that much different. Um, but, I mean, you have to you have to build that fix, in quotations, the fix, that Band-Aid into the plan. You know, like, this is a Band-Aid, and you got to explain to everybody it's a Band-Aid. You know, and this is a short-term, and I hate to even use the word fix, because you still got kinks on the back end you got to worry about. Um, and really, you may, if you're a department that goes to fires, and you only buy one nozzle section, you're going to have trouble. You know, right. if you go to enough fires, you're going to burn that nozzle section or at least get it to a point to where it needs to come off for a while. And now you're back to square one, you know, if you get to wash it and dry it and all that. But um, I could see how people would be against it because of the differences in friction loss and, you know, uh, the avoidance of change in any way, you know, but you have to explain it to them that this is a plan. This is just the first step of it. You know, like if it's a budgetary, usually it's a budgetary issue. Right, right. That they can't buy, you know, 900 feet for every pumper, you know what I mean? Depending on how many lines you got on your rig, you know, but um, usually it's a budgetary issue. But I like it as a potential fix, uh, but it needs to be that. It's not a end-all, be-all. Uh, it's a Band-Aid that needs to be um, progressed. You know, that plan needs to be progressed, you know. Yes. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Coming off my first trip to FDIC when teaching, how do you manage the shortened class length? Hit the wave tops or get into the weeds on a smaller number of topics? What's your thoughts? I, I only taught hot. I did not teach a lecture. Um, I always told myself I would not put in for a lecture until I was there. This was my first trip ever to FDIC. Um, not I'd, I've never been before this one. So now I feel a little bit more comfortable putting in a lecture, probably get shut down. I'll probably get a, Hey, stupid letter. Um, but, uh, um, one thing I did not like was, and really there's nothing they could do about it, but I didn't like how they stacked a lot of the heavy hitters together. You know what I mean? Like at right after, and I talked to Ike about this a little bit and he said on the first day, it may be like a strategy for him. Cause you got all those people at opening ceremonies. You got to send somewhere, you know? So like, at the very first lecture, it was Ike, 
and you know Daryl Liggins and Ray. Yeah, Liggins, you know, yeah, was, Ray. Yeah, it was, they were all together, and you want to go see everybody, but you can't. It's impossible, you know. So either you can bounce around to different rooms and catch a little bit of of all of them, or you can just isolate one. I sat in Uncle Ray's class, um, which was really good. Uh, Jeremy from National Fire Radio gave him the intro in there. Nice. Uh, so that one was pretty cool. He was talking about his FDIC speech, his keynote. And he was like, Ray was sitting next to me on the front row. And he was like, it's probably the best keynote. Ray goes, probably. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, Uncle Ray. But, uh, yeah, he killed it. That but, yeah, that's awesome. a place to see anybody in anything. You know, I don't even know what how you did an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, mine's just a bunch of slides, and I just talk fast. Yeah. And then no way I could do cruel intentions there, and it's a whole. That's what I was gonna say. Is is could you cram cruel intentions into a ninety or one forty five? I've done it before. It's just at a detriment to the student, right? You know, because I mean, it's it's all gas, no brakes. You know, um, and it's at a detriment because it's it's hard to soak. And then it stems kind of the topic we're talking about extends to the hot class too. You know, you got two choices in a, in a short time frame like that. You can give them a lot about a little or a little about a lot. You know, so I mean, those are your two two choices. So uh, I chose to do a lot about a little during my hot class. So I taught the stairwell push. We did left handed, uh, left handed stairwell push, and I only taught the straight run. So we had the ability to make the straight run. The we had the ability to make the door a short hallway, a right turn onto the straight run into a landing into a left turn. But eighteen minutes, bro, no way, no way we would be able to do all that in eighteen minutes. So you have a choice. You can either give them a lot about a little or a little about a lot. And I chose a lot about a little. So we just isolated the straight run, you know, like straight run, left-handed go. Love it. You know, so, I, lo- I, I love this question. I want to throw it at you. Bring it on. Uh, uh, Chris die. It's a very short question, but I want to hear what your answer is. And you get time to think about it. Okay. Best quote you've heard from FDIC, Kyle. Best quote from FDIC. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, there's, a, there's a that, uh, that, 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 that like stirs my brain. Well, going. I got it. I got it already. I got it already. So, uh, I don't know if I want to release the idea that I'm thinking about right now. I was talking with Gary Lane about it. Uh, I won't release that. We'll, we'll do that later. But okay. it involves quotes from various speakers, and one I got from Chief Mo Davis was, "I'd rather be pulled out than pushed in." So in reference to entering residential structure fires, all you nasties out there. But, um, yeah, he'd rather be pulled out than pushed in, meaning that he would rather go a bit too far than have to be pushed in. I love it. I love it. No. uh, And that made me think. That's why I I like the question. I wanted to know what's mine. I'm, like, trying to figure out what's mine. And, uh, honestly, I go with what's on my Facebook page, which has been there since, I think, like 2016 or so, but it's, uh, my name's Corley and I like to go to fires because I completely stole it from Ray. Uh, yeah. my name's Ray. It's pretty good I, quote in your book that I like to go to fire when you bought it. Oh yeah. We t- <laughs> are we going to discuss that? Yeah. If you want to. No, I would. A lot of people don't know it, uh, yeah. which I don't hype the book too much on the scrap, but, uh, pull it up so I can see it here on zoom so I can see what I'm showing yeah. people right there. The nine L's. This one is a author copy. Uh, yeah. You can see the band going across the front, not for resale. Uh, so Kyle's going to tell the backstory. Not, I mean, it's 
basically, you know, when you do a book, you get to on the back, you want people to put like the the hype blurbs. And I wanted like badasses to do it. So I asked uh, Brian Brush to write one. Brian Crush. Brian, I'm sorry, you're right. Brian Crush. Yeah. And then I asked Chief Smoothbore, uh, Kyle Romagus to write one. Yeah. So when he reached out to me, he was like, hey, man, uh, so I want you to write a blurb on the back of my book. And I was like, first of all, what's a blurb? <laughs> and then he, then he had to explain to me that, you know, it's like, it's, it's like uh, penciling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a description <laughs> of the book, right? Like it's a, a, a synopsis of what you're going to learn from the book. And I was like, okay, well, I haven't read the book. So there's that. And he's like, yeah, I know you haven't read the book, but uh, give me some blurbs, man. So I sent Corley like 10 or 15 blurbs. Right. It was great. It was a Side bunch unseen. Of- he hadn't read the- That's the best part of it is that's the friendship and the trust is he hadn't seen it. And he wrote these kick ass like endorsements. It was so great as far as the trust. Yeah. And one of them I slipped in as a joke. Right. And uh, ended up making it into the book. You want to show them the quote? Yeah, I will actually. Yeah. Dude, when I read it, it was my favorite quote of the, all of them. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I was I was a little disappointed you didn't put it on the back of the book. I will 100%, say, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But I, I did a quick story on it first. Oh, of all. Bring it up, bring it up. I, I know. I'm, I'm just saying it was a quick oh. story, and then oh, I explained yeah, yeah. the actual quote was, "If you don't like this, then f you." <laughs> and it was attributed to Kyle Romagus, one hundred percent, man. Yeah, and I, and I went on to say, you know, hey, this is why I have the luckiest dude in the fire service. I have the best friends. He he said it sight unseen, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So, long story short, it's not really professional. Like if you're going to have this on promotional material <laughs> or or it's, it, but it was in the book. And so anyway, it, it's only if you have the book that has that in it. There are only like 150 copies out there. I never meant it seriously, like yeah. it was a joke. I, I took it as a my my friend, my one of my greatest friends in the fire service, wrote this sight unseen, oh, and yeah. as an endorsement. And so, but I can't I can't understand why people would read it and think, "What this guy's telling me to f myself if I don't like his book?" No, that's not what yeah. I mean. So I think the explanation above it was pretty good too. Like it I agree you. with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I thought but, so too. You know, but yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, there's chiefs out there that are going to read that and be like, "Nah, man, you can't put that in the promotion." You can't. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, that's a great story. A lot of people don't know it. There, if you have that copy of the book, it's a collector's item now. You might get uh, at least a dollar ninety nine on eBay for it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. John Naninga wants to know, Corley and Kyle, if you oh, were that's 19, a good dude right there. No, without a doubt, brother, without a doubt. If you were a nineteen year old, fresh out of fire academy kid, nothing holding you back, where would you go work? Holy smokes! Oh man, if Ooh. I could do it all over again, I'd go to an urban city fire department. Mm. Like if it's I could do it all over again, I'd go to a big city. Some job town like Detroit, uh the east side St. Louis. Uh yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to that's hard to knock, man. Yeah. If I could do it all over again, I'd go to an urban city. Like a Camden, uh mm-hmm. hey man, Ooh. New Jersey, Baltimore. You know, Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. BCFD anywhere. Yeah. Eight by ten, son. Yeah, there you go. Pig Town. Uh man, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know all the job towns. I just know I'm jealous. Yeah. I don't know if my Yeah, Baltimore's a literal job town. Like literally. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it says that... hashtag job town on top of it, uh eight by ten fire station. Uh Wichita, what Wichita has going on right now yeah. with, with the A their fires, B their culture. You combine those two things yeah. with what like 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 Hiddle and, and um uh uh 
good lord, I'm pulling a blank on people's names. Sorry. Uh Isaac Frazier's out there. Frazier and then um Chad Tommy Dale. Gunn. What's Tommy Gunn's like real name? Because I keep wanting to say Tommy Gunn. Best uh, smile. Uh, One of the best smiles in the fire service. Yeah. Uh anyway. Uh Gunn's no, out there too, right? Chad Daly. He's out of Wichita, yeah, right? He's Casey. Okay, Kansas. Casey Mo. But no, one hundred percent. Sorry, someone will someone will fill me in. Uh, gun to my head, it'd be hard to knock like just any of those things we just said. Yeah, if Oklahoma City didn't use that stupid hose load, I'd say let go there because hey, they a, uh, they, they go to their, their culture is amazing. Like I, I can't knock it one hundred percent. They do still they still rock a it's a Cleveland. At least load they don't call it the Cleveland. I'll they give call them. it the Metro or the yeah, Pro yeah. Load. It makes still, the Cleveland cool. That's, and so that's you can cool. say it at the bar without getting, you know, punched in the face. I will say this, man. Like my son is there and he will tell you, hey, just learn how to pull it. And it's no problem. It's a kick ass load. Yeah. Just don't just don't be inept. That's what he'll tell you. Yeah. I want to do a hose rodeo with it. I'll go head to head. Challenge shout out to any Oklahoma City fireman. Let's Ooh. go. Let's go head to head. Pro load versus the just your flat, flat load. Uh, yeah, okay. flat load. yeah, the Shots only fired. load that needs to be on an engine. I would add the only load. There we go. We got the challenge yeah. shot out to everybody. Yeah. I really do like our modified minute man for what we use it for. Yeah, can't knock it. I I don't know if I, I we have to figure out the criteria for yeah. victory. Like, <laughs> like who wins? <laughs> yeah, how do you win this? Because yeah, but did you die? Is it a sixty foot yeah. setback? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Which case, oh, it's got to be all of them. And speed of deployment. If it's 60 yeah. foot setback, speed of deployment, then we're going to be we're going to be yeah. stuck with the triple load. Yeah, which I can pull from the flat load. I would add. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Metro is where it's at. From Jonathan Spence, uh, Lebanon, Virginia. I, there's so much. Come on, brothers. We need some heavy hitting blue collared firefighters. <laughs> yeah, Steve Mott said. I bet he picks the triple load. Uh, there we go. Hey, no, man, there's guys in Houston that are very successful with the triple, but they work in a district that the triples, you know, built for. No, my 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 city is built for a triple. I mean, I'll be hundred percent honest with you; it really is. Yeah. And we ran the triple for a long time. It's a it's a great load for what it's designed for. Yeah. Um. And there, but there are more versatile loads. If there was a perfect load, we wouldn't have arguments. We just all run it. I mean, that's the yeah. truth of the matter. Well, there is. Yeah. There's nobody ever runs it anymore. The flat. Yeah. <laughs> well, it takes work. It does. That's the, that's, takes the down, yeah. that's the downside is it takes work. But on the other hand, it's I mean, if all else fails, just grab the nozzle and run with it. You know. If that's your extent, if if you work a lot like a volunteer company and you're worried about, you know, who shows up, just tell them, you know, your plan A is to run with the nozzle. You know what I mean? Like you can't screw that up. Dean Casali, at what point do you teach your crews to pull a two and a half? over the inch and three-quarter, let's assume residential, compartmentalized, and your goal is to eventually move to the interior and take space back. That's an easy one for us. So yeah. we made it pretty easy on our fire ground tactical guideline. Howard did. Uh, our fire ground tactical guideline makes that decision pretty easy. It's GPM times three equals square footage. So we're running 300 gallons a minute on the two and a half, 160 on the inch and three-quarter on the first line, and then 600 out of the deck gun. So GPM times three. So 160 times three is what, Corley? Ooh, ooh. 180, 180, 380, no. 480. There you go. So that's 500 square feet, essentially. 
So if you run a district that's the majority is 2,000 square feet, let's say the average 2,000 square feet, quarter of the house on fire, inch three quarter, you know, uh, 300 times three is 900. So 1,000 square feet, half the house on fire, two and a half in bundle. Uh, and it's based on that 2,000 square foot mine frame. And then uh, 600 gallons a minute, six times three is 18. So if I got the full house on fire, that gun, you know, so. And the way Brush usually puts it in his exponential engine is floor or rooms, floors, uh, buildings. Mm. So, but I mean, if it's compartmentalized, there's no reason why an inch three quarter can't go to the front door and kill box after box after box, you know, but the, where the two and a half blitz is going to really shine is on division two. If we're going to do that or a, uh, outside in fire, it's like a porch fire or, you know, uh, flammable cladding or, you know, if, the sixth side of the fire as uh, right. done with all the auto extension up the side, you know, the two and a half is really going to shine in that aspect of the outside in fire. Uh, but for short staffing, man, it's a time machine. If you can put it in the right spot, you know, but division one's tough with the two and a half because you have to, and we talk about this with cool attentions, but you have to be at a position to where you can use the breakover in order to get, because the goal is water on solid fuels and what's burning the surface fuel. Uh, the flame fuel interface, as Andy would call it. So I can't do that from five feet back from the wall. So I have to plan that stretch. I want to be at least 25 to, you know, 30 to 40 feet back with the two and a half if it's on division one. You know, so if my plan is to get big water into division one, I need space to do that. Right. Because on. if not, it's just going to, you know, fly across the ceiling and hit the back wall, you know. So, but division two is where the two and a half shines for that uh, if you're going to use it. Beautiful, dude. Yeah, I think all stilts. yeah. Or that one double, the other night was double wide stilts. stacked on a double wide. Yeah, yeah. We had a single wide on stilts. Single uh, wide stacked on a single wide. That's what I should be yeah. saying. We got three story single wide. In my first dude. That is amazing to me. And man. That spiral staircase going right up the center of it. It's pretty wild, dude. <laughs> yeah. Only in Texas, man. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Only in Texas. Okay. Yeah, that Blake one we made the other night, it was a house on steel. So they blitzed and bundled off of it. So they blitzed it with two and a half and then bundled it. But right sorry, on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're good. You're good. I was going to throw one at Blake. Uh, 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 Blake Rasmussen said, Chief, when you sit in on race class, and I'm, and before I say this, I'm doing my break and you get to take this question. Blake Rasmussen okay. wants to know. When you said it on race class, well, was that your first time or had you seen it multiple times? And if you had seen it, did you pick up on new nuggets from him or or go ahead and answer the question about Ray, race class, teaching with Ray, and I'll be right back. Yeah. It's your scrap. Uh, that was the first time that I had seen that one from Ray. Um, I've seen a lot of race classes, but that was the his class was nozzlemanship. Um, and that's the first time that I had sat in on that one. And that's why I wanted to go to it. There are speakers in the fire service that you don't miss and raise one of those. Um, because I've seen him speak a lot, but you get those little tiny nuggets every time you listen to him. So a couple things that I took from it, I'll have to pull up the text message from Bonifield. Uh, Bonifield was asking me about it uh, at FDIC. Uh, one thing that I, I took away from it here is, uh, one thing I took away from it uh, was that he was talking about when entering the room, um, he likes to wait until the fire's knocked down in order to put the line directly above his head at the entrance of that room. So like when you enter a room, you're about three foot in with the stream, unless it's straight up above you. Um, so in his experience, 
uh, what he's found is that if that's the room of origin and it's exiting that room, that that point at the header is the hottest that it's of the majority of the room because it's the choke point. You know, like anytime you have a choke point, you're going to have an increase in pressure and temperature and velocity. And what he was saying was that in his experience, and I don't know what kind of furnishings that he was uh, talking about or what kind of ceiling structure or anything that he was used to, but he was saying the majority of the time when he entered the fire room and had the nozzle men go directly at that header up top is the most common place for things to start falling on your head uh, because it's the hottest and all that that ceiling uh, material is the loosest there because it's been taking the most beating. So I thought that was interesting. Um, one thing that he talked about as well is that he teaches that when you pass through a door with dry hose, put it as an accordion, like straight up to where if the door closes on it and you charge it, it pops the door open. I thought that was a good nugget. Um, if you don't do that, it has a potential to go under the door if it's flat. And then obviously if it's closing on you and you charge it, it's going to charge against the door. Uh, so I thought that was a good nugget too, is that he was uh, the accordion uh, dry hose in the door. Um, and he showed some before and after pictures like that. Uh, one thing he always talks about is engine emergencies as well. So engine emergencies with fire behind you. And he always uses uh, the situation of a, a kitchen with two entrances. So like if you have a kitchen with two entrances, you got a, a left and a right entrance. And the only one you see is the one you go to. The potential for that fire to wrap around you is high in that situation. Uh, so one thing he was talking about is having a plan, especially with two and a half, like on standpipe stretches and apartment fires, stuff like that. If you're running with two and a half off standpipe for hotels or stuff like that, having a plan to bend that hose back on itself versus trying to turn that full hose line around in that small apartment. Uh, so that was a good nugget as well, but I've heard that one from him before. But, man, he's always got good nuggets, man. Anytime you can hear uh, a 30-plus-year veteran um, of the engine company, and he spent a little time on the truck, spent a little time downtown, um, uh, anytime you get a chance to listen to those dudes, they unknowingly drop nuggets. You know what I mean? Like, it's not built into the program, but just listening to that dude talk, you can just grab them out of the air. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. That's one of the dudes you don't want to miss um, if you ever get a chance to hear him speak. I'll be in Virginia with him at, um, with Benjamin Martin with the Fireground Commander coming up in right a couple on. of days. Right on, man. When he says, that's not a kink, that's a that's a twink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, James Mitchellisco says, Chief, can you talk about fire dynamics, modern fire behavior, and the need to be able to make a push now more than ever? And this, yeah. I want to, I'll tie this into like uh, CFT fire operations earlier before Kurt took off and said he had to cook dinner. He said, if you have time before the end of the scrap, have Kyle do his short version of making the push attack to the final room of fire for those that haven't watched previous scraps. Very powerful to those that are assigned to the line. Have to go cook, kids home from college, have a great night with the thumbs up, keep killing it. So, anyway. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the environment that we fight fire in, you know, modern is a um, it's a rough term because everything's changing, you know, faster than we can adapt to it. You know, I, I've never fought a legacy fire. You know, I've never right. seen right. a legacy fire. You know, like I would say probably the ones that may still be exposed to it would be older cities, like older urban cities with old furniture 
you know, grandma Susie's house that you inherited, you know, but everything made, you know, in the last, I would say probably 60 years, was that a safe assumption? That would be 1960, right? 60 years would be 1960. Yeah. No, yeah. I, in fact, to your point, Kyle, I, I'm, I'm working on, I'm part of the committee rewriting our SOGs at my department and we're taking out legacy fuels and modern yeah. fuels as a term. And yeah. we're just replacing it with fuels yeah. and then, and then antique fuels. Yeah. You should consider using frozen gasoline yeah. as, as your fuel type. So go ahead. Sorry. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Hydrocarbons have taken over. Yeah. Solidified petroleum products. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Hydrocarbons have taken over the construction process with the majority of what's in these buildings. Right. Which poses a problem with the smoke. You know, it poses the problem with the flammability of the smoke, the explosiveness, excuse me, of the smoke. And um, what we're looking for is to keep these boxes below 200 degrees. So I want to keep these boxes below 200 degrees because that is usually the uh, off-gassing temperature of the majority of what's these uh, materials that are making all this furniture out of. So black fire is a thing. It's been talked about since the 90s. Andy used to talk about it. It's in the book of Andy when he talks about it. Um, what we're looking to prevent is a rapid fire development. And one of the things that we have to do or be able to do in order to do that is have the ability to move box to box with an open nozzle. So being able to move from box to box with an open nozzle is a must in this age of the fire service that we work in. If you don't have the ability to do it, you're just, it's a time bomb waiting to go off and you're limiting yourself on being able to enter certain spaces without that skill set and be in that space. You know, a lot of people want to talk about survivable spaces, you know, but we fix it. You know, as the engine company, our job is to fix it. You know, mm. that the like Mike says, the go, no, go. It's not no go. It's fix it before you go. You know, like Andy talks about, it's you have to have that mindset to be able to do that. But I use and just to sum up uh, at the request of uh, CFT fire operations, I use the level of the smoke level in the building to determine whether I'm going to flow. So my hierarchy of decision making is I'm going to walk as far as I can. If I can't see while I'm walking, I'm in tripod or Camilla if I'm on the nozzle. And if I'm in tripod or Camilla on the nozzle I'm, and I can't see, I'm flowing water. So it, it's a must. It has to. You know, at my height in in the Camilla or the, the tripod position, my face is at the 50% mark of the room. So like Andy would say, I have six layers of protection around my ass and one around my face. And this one begins to fail about 500 degrees. Hmm. So what we're looking to prevent, obviously, is a rapid fire development. Like my brother Bonifield says, it's much easier to keep the genie in the bottle than let him get out and try to push him back in. You know, so we want to cool box to box as we go through it. Um, and what what I use is that that trigger, that offset for me is the smoke level. You know, the smoke is fuel in everything that we're going into. It's gasoline. You know, I wouldn't walk into a Walmart filled with propane. I would vent it first. You know what I mean? Like that's what we're doing in these compartment fires when you don't fix the problem. Right. So superheated gases, vent limited fire. I open the door, create the low pressure point. It's moving towards me immediately if it's got nowhere else to go. And uh, we have to have the flow and move mindset to be able to move through that. Um, And it's so much more than that. But going into what CFT was talking about, let's just talk about making the fire room. So, Let's start at the hallway. So we've made it from the threshold. We've cleared the big room because usually in that, 
we're going to go through the threshold. We're probably going to open up to a great room. So nine times out of 10 through the threshold to a great room, to a choke point. And now we get to a choke point. And at that choke point is going to be the most violent fire behavior you're going to find because it's at a choke point. You know, it's the smoke's going to increase in velocity. We've opened the low pressure space behind us. If we haven't cooled it already, most likely we're going to have the most uh, common place for that rollover to be in that space is going to be at that choke point. So it's the most violent fire behavior you're going to find out of what we've encountered so far with the threshold in the big room and now the choke point. So at that point, if you have not opened the nozzle, I would. And, you know, and I like to call it the landing strip. So that last, you know, 10, 20 feet to the offset room, wherever that that may be, that would be the landing strip. And that's, you know, the last point. If I haven't opened the nozzle by the landing strip, I want you to open the nozzle. And the last 10 to 15 to 20 foot push into the room. So we want to cool. Everything starts above our head. We want to cool everything in that corridor and then put water early in that next room. And we want to start putting water in that space as fast as possible. Right. Just clear them as you go, man. You know, my buddy Derek Roberts that was on the other night talked about Uncle Sven. You know, it's Uncle Sven's the uh, – did he talk about Uncle Sven? I don't think he did on the scrap. So fire room operations, Uncle Sven. Make the fire say uncle, search, ventilate, check for extension, notify command. Nice. So, fire room operations. Dude, no, I didn't – I don't think he touched Uncle Sven. Yeah, Uncle Sven. So if I make a shirt with a Derek Roberts quote on it, it'll be Uncle Sven, even though he'll tell me he didn't come up with that. But he was the first person to tell me, which I'm sure he didn't. That's old school shit, you know, but uh, Uncle Sven, you know, that's fire room ops. Make the fire say uncle, search it, ventilate it, check for extension, notify command that you did all that. Right. Uh, What is your breaking point? This comes from Jason Allen Jeffers. What is your breaking point when teaching people flow and move for the first time? How much can they half bail? What is the time frame for getting everyone proficient? I don't allow them to half bail unless I'm on the stairwell. So I also under pump the line when we're building skill set. And I'm honest about that when we. So when I start, I always under pump the line for anybody who's building skill set because I want them to get good reps. You know, I want them to get good reps. I want them to get mechanics. And I always tell them it, at this point in your skill like was we're bringing the difficulty down to allow you to get the body mechanics. And then once you get the body mechanics, then we increase the difficulty. Right. So uh, I don't allow them to half bail because uh, they don't need to. You know, I'm dropping the 59 pounds nozzle reaction from the seven eights into the 40 range. Right. From, uh, 40, 45 or so, because we're flowing 150 gallons a minute or so. And that's uh, to set them up for success so that yeah. they can get the technique down so that they Correct. can be successful with that 59 nozzle yeah, reaction. Yeah. And if we have time throughout the day, like if I have a short period with them, like at the conference level, you know, if I've got 18 minutes with a guy, you know, I'm going to bring that nozzle pressure down so we can really drive home the fundamentals and the body mechanics and the movements. But I teach it in sections, you know, like everything I do, I teach in sections. So like on the flow and move, and I don't know what he meant by breaking point, I guess uh, with a half bail, it kind of showed that, but. I, anyway, I teach flow and move in sections. So we start out stationary. We go from stationary to moving forward, and we go through the basic body mechanics of that, and then we go through the footwork of it. So if you're coming out to Casper, Wyoming, uh, for the High Plains Conference, you got me, you got Jay Bonifield, and you got Jonathan Brumley for the making the push class. So that's going to be a good one. No doubt, uh, dude. Two sexy guys and the be- best mustache oh. in the Texas. So 
<laughs> I wish Bromley still had his mustache. I miss that mustache on that little guy. <laughs> but, yeah, it's always important to teach it in sections. I always start stationary and then move to hit and move, essentially, and then flow and move after that. But Rock anytime roll. you're doing skill acquisition, you got to bring the difficulty down. You know, too many guys want to run before they crawl. Right. So, yeah, that's the breaking point. There you go. Uh, that's the breaking point. That makes the officially caught up on questions. Yeah, John McCoy said, dang, those three in Wyoming, geez. Yeah, no, yeah, get there if you can get there, man. What a, It's a one-of-a-kind uh, class, man. I hope to do it again somewhere, but um, it's one-of-a-kind. Here's a soft toss. I don't know. Let's see what you think. Which way you're taking Max Glukert said, is the best water on the fire always the quickest water on the fire? Uh, best is subjective, I would say. Um, if I can get water on the seat of the fire quickly, I would say the quickest route to do that is the best. But the seat, seat of the fire. But depending on where that's done, it may put you in the potential position to run into victims as well. Funny thing about, you know, fighting fire in dwellings, every now and then you run into a dweller and uh, you don't run into many dwellers in the parking lot or right. the flower bed, as Mo would call it. Right. But, you know, I mean, the exterior water has its uh, has its uh, time frames when it's usable. You know, anytime I've got wind driven conditions or an outside in fire or forcible entry concerns or hoarding conditions, you can't just poo poo the topic, you know, but you got to teach your people when to use it. Yes. And it should be in a method to assist you in getting inside, not impeding you from getting inside. And my brother Derek Roberts summed that up in his scrap not too long ago. But it should be assisting you in getting inside. So, like I said, wind-driven, if I can't get in. If uh, hoarding conditions and I can't get in. Forcible entry issues and I can't get in. Uh, access issues because of a porch collapse or a burnout stairwell on a house on stilts. You know, put water on the fire. You know, that's the goal there, but Inside fire requires inside water. Outside fire requires outside water. You know, I mean, it's it's pretty binary, you know. And the benefit of inside water is that it puts me in the passive egress. The most likely I'm going to encounter dwellers in my dwelling fire. You know, so. Love it, man. I absolutely love it. If you want a lot of this, uh, look up the, or, or, or call Kyle. We'll talk about how to get a hold of Kyle at the end. And say, uh, I want cruel intentions because cruel intentions is the shit. Um, I want to move to books, bring that class to March Mayhem in Boise, said Jason Gates. Uh, let's do that. Add Mark, uh, yeah, 100%. Bring that to Minnesota, bring that to Alabama. There you go. Deep South 2024. There's a lot of people asking for that information. 100%, man. If you want nozzle or decision making on the nozzle, uh, man. Book the class, Cruel Intentions, and that one hundred percent. That's that's me loving the class, not just this man. Um, okay, book books. Oh, man, another question. Uh, let me see if I want to read it. Bring it on. As a current fire instructor, looking to expand to teaching more and on a bigger scale than just department trainings in local counties, what have you learned in becoming one of the best engine dudes on the planet? Be humble. And be mm. honest and don't be afraid to tell people that you don't know. Mm. So be a student of the game. That's that's uh, another one. Ike talked about that on his doc video the other day. Is if you're going to hold the label of instructor, you also have to be student, you know. So you have to be the student of the game. I can't think of a perfect answer. Yeah. 
And that was Lighten Hawks Gang. Uh, mm. Once again, trying really hard on that. <laughs> uh, books, man. Dude, here's the deal. You set the record the very first time you came on the scrap, way back in the way back. You set Ooh, the I record. I got books here. I got you, books here. I got some said, different ones. I don't one even know. Them, I, think I don't even know. Okay, okay. I'll be here. Yeah, one of them may be a repeat. Uh, this one, I don't know if you can see it. On Killing by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Yeah, the original. That was yep. before On Combat. Yep, correct. Yes. On Killing. I like that one. Uh, mindset of uh, war itself. Probably geared towards more of the police officers, but um, I mean, I I can't argue with anything Grossman's ever written. You know, Grossman, he's, uh, he's a big mentor of mine, even though I've never met him. I've just known him through his books. Uh, next one. It's one called, see, actually, Chief Dennis Riley sent me this one. He sent it to me on the whim, and I don't know if you can see that or not, but stay frosty. Um, Chief Dennis Riley sent me this one. It's called A Warrior's Path, Lessons in Leadership by Robert Trevino. Excellent book. Excellent book. Uh, military guy was uh, uh ranger, and he was also he's also a Native American. So fantastic, fantastic book. I really like that one. Solid. This is a good one for the truck nerds out there. So truck nerds, you're welcome. This is the complete book of locks and locksmithing for all you through the lock nerds written by Bill Phillips. So I got this from Sean Wilson um, from Rise Above and Two Devils Tools. Uh, if you ever haven't checked those dudes out, you should. Um, Sean Wilson is a uh, super nerd when it comes to forcible entry. Uh, fantastic dude. Uh, met him a couple times at different conferences, but I bought this book off of his website, the two devils tools website. Um, so you can get it from him, all the, through the lock props that I own that aren't actual locks. I got from Sean, uh, through two devils tools. Um, I think that website's still open. I don't think rise above is open anymore. Um, rise above fire training was his original company with another guy. So yeah, they got them. And then, uh, now he has two devils tools. That's a good one. So locks and locksmithing. Uh, if you want to know the intricacies of through the lock, that's a great way to do it. And then in in uh, memory of my brother that couldn't be with us tonight. <laughs> Love it. Turpac size up. This is the second edition. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. I enjoyed the first one as well. Um, that's a good one right there. Um, good promotional book. And it has a study guide with it as well that uh, uh, is pretty good. Uh, this one may be a repeat. The Fire Officer Handbook of Tactics by John Norman. I don't, I don't know, know if it is. I don't know. I don't know if it's a repeat or not. I really don't. I don't know if um, you mentioned it before. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a mainstay for me. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it, um, and I enjoy this one even more because my brother signed it. Oh yeah, yeah. little small flex. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, maybe in Pensacola. Maybe in Pensacola. Uh, right after he got in that accident, he was on a hiking accident. Uh, it was ODP, I think it was like three years ago, four years ago, something like that. He got in a hiking accident and got paralyzed from the neck down. Damn. Yeah, he was paralyzed for a couple of weeks, almost didn't make the trip. I did not but, know that. Uh, ended up getting better, and Ike filled in because it was supposed to be him all five days, but Ike filled in the, every other day for him. But uh, like a trooper, he showed up. He showed up anyway. Dude. But, and was- the last one okay. Go ahead. is an unobtainable book, like – unobtainable like nobody can get it like ever it's a book of my notes from classes one of them like this book 
has been stolen from the library of Kyle Romagus. So, <laughs> hey, brother, the, are you ever going to, are you ever going to publish your notes? I might. I might. So here we go. There's some, there's some notes here. So, that's definitely yeah. not a repeat. No, that's awesome. Not a repeat. Got I've Chief tried- in here. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I tried, I've tried to imitate you and this is, this is what I got to show for it, which I'm not complaining about. It's, it's just sitting here next to me. This is my, my, uh, this is like, but my handwriting sucks compared to yours. Like I'll put it up here. That's cool, man. Uh, yeah. You want to hear some quotes from it? Yes. Okay. From beyond the door by Scott Corgan. Okay. Uh, Class I set in. Uh, let me see. Uh, <laughs> he was talking about nozzles and knowing your flow and stuff. He said, "If I'm going to be a dragon slayer, shouldn't we also be learning about all things dragons?" Referring to fire, fire behavior—that was a good one. Uh, when people do things that are different than normal, that's when mistakes happen. I agree. I agree. Uh, if the fire's moving faster than the speed of the intervention, the fire will crush you. That's that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, water mapping is about look, listen, and feel. That was from Chief Ike. Um, let's see. I got one more. He's this no, one. Uh, every 50 GPM of flow requires one firefighter. That was from Clark's book. So every 50 GPM. Willie Clark. Yeah. Dude, there's so much wisdom in the old, in the old stuff, man. Yeah. It's not how fast you stretch. It's how fast you flow. If you're not moving, you're losing. Watch that freaking hose going in the front door. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. That was it. That's my my uh, one of my journals. It's a good one. Maybe man, one. You got, we got to figure out how to publish it, man, or even make it available for purchase in some not not. I mean, I'm just in way some way, shape, or form, man. Yeah. No, one hundred percent. Yep. That's all I got for you, dude. That's all the books. We can add like fifty. I've given you already. No doubt, brother. You you hold the record and you've added to the record. Um, oh, I got another one too. It's over there, know, though. I don't want to leave the screen. Can I leave the screen for a second? You going to be mad if I do that? No. I don't All know. Right. All right. I got one more. That's suspense, man. There's so much suspense. I had to bring over here. Oh, that's a good one. 20,000 alarms. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You got to find a way son. to get a hold of that. Paperback, old son. Paperback. There it is. All right. Good to go. Small flex. Yep. <laughs> Love it, brother. Um, all right, we're ready to do this. I have you done I ban it. You've been on here quite a bit. That's the reason I have to ask. Like, even I don't know. Have you done the next five questions for firefighters? Yeah. It's okay though. All right. I'm what gonna have it. We are. I'm gonna still hit you with them. Yeah. I would say one of them's probably a pretty pretty easy softball. Yeah, always with you. <laughs> Certain people. What single characteristic separates the difference between a run-of-the-mill firefighter and a top-tier go-to badass firefighter? Trust. Mm. I'll go with trust this time. Trust a, is. Uh... Go ahead, man. No, no, I'm writing it down. I'm, I'm just getting my pen. Yeah, trust, man. Trust earned. Especially in the chief role, trust is earned, not given. Um, you want those guys with the butt plates that you know is going to be able to get the job done. No, I just realized something. Like when you're above, you can give trust out. You can give trust out and let them lose it. Yeah. But 
when you're below, they earn it. It's 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 earned. Yeah, dude, that's solid. You just made me think that that's solid. Yep. Dude, I love that max points one hundred percent for uh, kicking my brain into overdrive. If you could go back in time and give young eighteen year old Kyle Romagus a piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, don't promote. I would, I would, I would say don't early, uh, which is counterproductive for what we're doing in the fire service the majority of the time. But I would have liked to ride the back step longer. Right. Uh, yeah, if I could do it all over again. And no, I, uh, I think that's pretty consistent to what you said last time. I really do. Yeah. No, no, hundred percent. And I think it's also part of the problem in the fire service. So don't take yeah. that the wrong way. I think yeah. in fact, uh, we got a whole bunch of politicians in, in chief positions and not firefighters is because um, people don't promote. And yep. then they wonder why the hell are they making that decision? Oh, yeah. it's because they're not a firefighter. That's why. Um, yeah. And it really no. hurts you in the front right seat um, without that level of experience, that Rolodex. You know, like the question my brother asked about moving to driver. And I don't know what his experience level is, but it's not really going to shine. It's uh, it's rear, not going to rear its head, the inexperience of not riding the back step for longer in the front left seat, but it does in the front right. Right. You know. Dude, great. Max points, max points. Uh, number three, what is your favorite training drill? Uh, I think that's an easy one. Like open, closed? Yeah, yeah. Flow move, I would say. <laughs> And the reason it's my favorite training drill is that it builds muscle memory. Mm. And if the engine's going to get jammed up, it's going to be with nozzle closed. You know, so the more you can do it, the better you are. Bang drill. I like doing the bang drill with guys. Uh, gets them in that mindset. Dude, solid. And for those of you who've never heard about the bang drill. Go bang. I was going to uh, say, do you want to explain the bang? Yeah, bang drill. Uh, bang drill is a drill I do with the guys. It's flow and move drill. Um, when we're doing flow and move, essentially we prep them for it. Anytime that you're doing flow and move and you hear bang, the bang is, is to initiate a startle response. So the startle response for anybody that's out there is like, you know, like a cat, you know, like you startle a cat and what does it do? It rears up and like, but the nozzle man, I want the startle response to be nozzle open if it's not already and straight up, you know, so the bang drill, if you're doing flow and move, Anybody, anytime anybody says bang, nozzle goes straight up. Incorporate just, it just to be the auto, just the autonomous response, just yeah. like instant reflex. Yeah. Unconscious competence. You know. That's it, brother. Yeah. Dude, absolutely. Three for three. What, number four, what mistake have you learned the most from in your fire service career? Uh, be careful who you talk to and what you talk about. Um, you can uh, really put your foot in the mouth in a lot of aspects, especially in leadership positions, you know, and how much uh, you pass on, you know, because the company officer is the one, number one, and we both agree, I think, on this one. Company officer is the most influential person in the fire department. Brick and mortar, 100%. Jared Sergi. Yeah. Uh, And you're also the buffer. You know, your job is to be the buffer to both up and down the chain, you know, so – my job from up the chain down is to be the buffer on what makes it to my guys. Um, my job from the buffer down up the chain is the same thing. It, it I have to be the buffer of what makes it to the top. You know, so I have to be the filter 
for what comes down to the guys and the filter that what goes up to the Chiefs. You know, and it's a tough position for a lot of people to be in, um, especially if they weren't mentored, which the majority of us weren't. Right. No, they without a doubt. Hard way. Majority of the fire service weren't. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to lose trust, you know, uh, whether it's up or down, you know. Um, have the ability to have the badge off meeting with your guys, whether it's up or down. You know, like one thing I have a relationship with my fire chief, Howard, is I can call him and I can say, hey, man, I need to talk to the fire chief. You know what I mean? And that, and at that point, he knows we're on. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. like this, is, this is a fire chief conversation. You know what I mean? And then there's conversations where we can vent to each other, you know, but there's a light switch that we can turn on. You know, and say, hey, man, I want to talk to the fire chief for a second. Right. You know. No, and that comes from respect. It comes from relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that- it's it's a it's a, a long-term relationship type thing, man. But I would say in the company officer role, be careful what you say down. You know, so be careful what goes down. Um, mm-hmm. Because it doesn't all have to go down. You know, but. No, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. Be the think, and, and it ties right back into the difference between a run of the mill firefighter top tier. It's that trust. Yeah. That's and it's why easy I love to it. lose it. It's real easy to lose it. And Joe McDonough said it might drop right there for me. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Uh, we get to the fifth question. I think it might be a throwaway question at this point, but we'll see. We'll throw it at you. Just be on the safe side. You do have a quint now in your, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, they got uh, heavy fire, searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? Nozzle every time. There is no <laughs> better position in the fire service. If anybody tells you there's another, there's a better position in the fire service, they're a liar. Like right. you can just automatically assume that everything they're telling you from that point on, you should question. You should question it immediately. I absolutely love the answer. I mean, I do because I, I knew it was coming, and you never disappoint, my brother. Uh, yeah. I will say this, man. Short notice, I called you literally and said, "Hey, Turpac, he had to back out. Short notice, emergency. What do you got going on?" And I think, what what did you say? Or like, are, how did you phrase it? Uh, uh, oh, you, I think I said, uh, "Are you insinuating that you insinuating?" Need to come on? That was the word. <laughs> Are you insinuating yeah. we want me to come on? I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. In a word, yes. Yep. Yeah. And so, I said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm always in. That officially makes it 190 scraps in the books. Thank you. I can't say Mike Turpak. Kyle Romagus. Yeah. He was there. Uh, he was in spirit. In spirit. Dude, and we got size up book here. And yep. he's coming. He he is coming back in the future. Man, it happens. Life happens. Uh uh. Uh, John McCoy said, last question, where was the best steak you ate at FDIC? <laughs> uh, what was that? Uh, something 47. Uh, we ate with him. Corey. Prime 47 prime. Prime 47. Right. Prime John, 47. John McCoy was the guy from Lebanon. The guy who I got, I got the shrimp because I was, yeah. Oh yeah. You did get the shrimp. You got the steak. I was just full already. Yeah. And I was like, man, guys, yep. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks uh, for dinner, John. I appreciate it. Email Thanks. address. Uh, all my buddies. K-Y-Romagus at gmail.com. Hope you don't mind me saying that. Yeah, that's cool, man. All good. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? <laughs> that email you just gave out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or Messenger, Smoothboard Cartel on Facebook or Instagram. 
There you go. Uh, if you're not a member of Engine Company Resurrection, become one. Um, housekeeping, firehousevigilance.com. Go there. Mega Scrap Echo is in the works. I'm not sure if it's going to be mental health. I really, every, anybody who knows me knows I'm big on mental health, but there's so many topics out there. I'm working on getting the best combo for mental health, so we'll see. Mega Scrap Echo is in the works. Um, I thought 2022, nothing would ever top it. 2023 is just crushing. It is like swinging a bat and just crushing. Um, the run of the guests, even the even the fill-in, like, hey, let's just field questions. Did we talk about anything we plan to talk about? No, well, FDIC, a little bit, FDIC, we did, yeah. but yeah, we, I was going to talk about Brush's keynote. I was going to talk about David Rhodes's keynote, yeah, uh, and we didn't get a touch on it. No, nope. um, right before we came on, I actually texted Jay and James. I was going to see if we could do an impromptu Heitman and Scrap podcast. But oh, really? We couldn't do it because you said you needed four, right? No, no, if, uh, that's what I, I called you and said, hey, do you want to do it by yourself? Do you want to try and get three people and do an impromptu, like completely impromptu mega? Yeah. You know, but, but I reached uh, out to James and Jay and they couldn't make it happen. All right. Well, we'll blame them. <laughs> Fast approaching 200. Uh, it's official. Kurt Isaacson is coming on as number 200. Uh, man, I'm pumped. Hey, if you know me, you know I uh, that Kurt Isaacson is one of the reasons the scrap is uh, what it is, plain and simple. His support of it has made it uh, to where people know what it is. Um, and I brought him in for 150, and it kind of I kind of crapped the bed. No other way to say it. It was terrible. You couldn't hear him. Uh, one of the coolest moments for me as a host was when it was crashed for like the fourth time, and, and Kurt told me, he said, Corley, don't worry about it. If it's just me and you, I'm going to keep going, which <laughs> was like one of the most awesome things ever. Uh, so to make it up for him, now that it's actually stable, hopefully not going, no jinxing anything, uh, 200 is going to be awesome. He's coming in. Uh, he's planning to give away passes to CFT stuff. He's going to be hype. He's going to be Kurt. And uh, that's why we love him. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, if you rate the podcast, if you rate the book, if you rate the audible, make sure and send me a screenshot or a message so I can send you my bribe and send you stickers or whatever you want. Uh, love for that. Uh, show the sponsors some love. Kehoe's, Affordable Drill Towers, The Fire Academy, and Turtle Fire Systems. 100%, man. They are supporting the scrap with their products. Um, if you are not a part of the Vigilantes, go to firehousevigilance.com. Become a part. Five bucks a month. Become part of the exclusive Cool Kids Club. We get together at the conferences. We discuss books. Rob Fisher is coming on next Sunday, and we're discussing... Oh, man, where's the book? Yeah, I dropped. Flow-based leadership. We're reading it. We're going to discuss it. He's going to discuss it, and we're going to listen to his wisdom. Um, so go become a part of it, firehousevigilance.com. Sign up. Enough of that. Um, Kyle, thank you. Yeah, man. For the very short notice, phenomenal guests showing up, making it a great scrap. Audience, thank you for throwing so many great questions and topics at us so that we could have a great time. Yeah. I'm glad we scrap. got all the quaint questions out of bed. Now hey. we don't have to ever ask quaint questions on the scrap again. That's over. We don't. Basically, Kyle said, "I'll do the mega quint scraps <laughs> right now." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, 100. Without the audience, the the scrap doesn't happen. Thank you for yeah. tuning in live. I love you all. And man, Smoothbore Cartel, Engine Company Resurrection, Kyle Romagus. He's here every week, and he's here this week, and he made it happen. 
So I can't say thank you enough, man. Mutts, don't scrap. I hope the tone stays silent unless it is burning. Everybody, stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.